as uh, they were singing this song and lead us in worship, it seems like the atmosphere uh, today is maybe like it's too late to even try to do anything. Because you hear a lot about rapture of the church and Jesus coming back. And certainly I believe that, don't you? I believe soon and very soon. But in saying that, there's never a place where we just stop doing. And what I'm trying to say is maybe if things are not going in the direction in your family that you would like for it to go, it's not too late to turn it around. It's not too late to begin to speak God's word over your children. I don't care how old they are. Our grandchildren. And turn, if the situation is not what you want it to be, I just really feel like this is the word that the Lord would give us today is it's not too late to turn it around. I believe the Lord is coming back soon and I'm looking forward to that. But until then, we're to keep carrying on. We're to keep doing what the word says to do. We're, we're not just to be hearers, but to be doers of what the word says. Father, we thank you today that, Lord, you are turning our lives around. You're turning uh, the generations after us, Father, because we could sit around and say, God, you're coming back tomorrow, and that would be great. But what if it's another hundred years? What if it's another 200 years? Father, you never called us in this word to sit on our hands and to not be moving forward in the things of you, especially with our families and our children and the generations after us, Father. Because, Lord, there are people that are going to need to hear the word. There are people that are going to need to experience worship. We're raising up church leaders. We're raising up missionaries. We're raising up teachers. We're raising up worship leaders. We're raising up people that are just going to evangelize in the community. We're raising up uh, sons and daughters that are going to be fathers and mothers. And they're going to be leaders in their home. They're going to be generation changers, Father. So we're not going to sit on our hands. We're going to keep doing and we're going to keep being until you come and get us. And Father, right now, we just speak this over these families today. It's not too late. It's not too late. It is not too late. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. Let's give our worship team a hand. Don't they do great? Thank you so much for, they don't just get here and put this together uh, at the last second. They practice and I'm thankful for that, aren't you? <laughs> Bible says make a joyful noise, but they didn't say in there that you couldn't practice if you had time. So I'm thankful that they do. Well, Pastor Susan's out on a well-deserved vacation. And you know, it's such an honor to be able just to stand in this pulpit for her and to not just, and she always, we kind of have this thing between each other. We're not just holding things together. We're moving forward, uh, robbing the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. So we're not just holding it together. We're moving forward. But I'm thankful to have a pastor that is so full of grace and mercy. And um, I'm trying to think of all the things I might can get a raise on. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, she's great. Amen. We're blessed to have her here. Amen. Well, 
Let's turn to the book of Galatians, the sixth chapter. And a couple weeks ago, I say a couple, it's probably more than that. Uh, the Lord really dealt with me on a subject that I shared on Wednesday night. was about consider yourself. Does anybody remember that? Um, if you don't, you can go online. And, and I want to encourage you. I normally don't encourage people to <laughs> listen to my messages. I have a hard time listening to them myself. Um, but I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to that one. It's, on, it's, it's somewhere on our website there. I think it's on the podcast as well. It was a really something that the Lord placed on the inside of me that was really, he began to churn and to begin to dig with me on is, um, is considering yourself when we're dealing with things in life, especially when we're dealing with other people. Right? Especially when we're dealing with other people, we need to consider, how would I feel? You know, I think that would probably stop a lot of the negative words, uh, a lot of the hurtful words that sometimes get said to people. If we considered how that would make me feel if I was hearing that said to me. But in Galatians chapter 1, sorry, chapter 6, verse 1. And are you agreeing with me for not just utterance, but a rhema utterance, anointed utterance? Because the Holy Spirit wants to say something here to us today. Well, he does every time, but especially right now in this hour, there's a message for the hour, and I feel like this is it. And I want, I want to title this today, uh, Consider Yourself Part 2, uh, but I want to put uh, in a subtitle, Mind Your Own Business. And I hope you got something to write some stuff down with here. Now, when I say, before I read the scripture, I want you to understand, when I say mind your own, when when somebody says mind your own business, that's typically not a very friendly salutation. But I just began, that that came to my mind this morning when, um, as I woke up, and actually the word mind there means uh, to remember. So when we are dealing with people, We need to remember our business. Before we start finding fault with other people, before we start judging other people, before we even get thoughts in our mind about the situation, we better remember our business. Galatians 6 and 1, Paul said this, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, say spiritual, Do you want to be spiritual? Do you want to be Christ-like? Sure you do. Or you wouldn't be here today. It says to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Father, we thank you for your word. It's anointed. We're anointed. And I pray, God, that we would have the anointing to speak. Also, God, that we would have the anointing to hear. And not just to hear, but the anointing to do what this word has to say. And Father, we're going to leave here changed because of it. And to further your kingdom and to give you glory. God, which is going to cause people to want to be a part of what we're doing. And we're going to thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some key words here as I was reading back over this. And you know, when you read this, it seems like a very simple uh, passage of scripture, but it's real. It is simple to understand, but it's complex in doing. 
Because it says, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Have you ever been overtaken in a fault before? I have. He said, ye which are spiritual. Now, when we say spiritual, there's a lot of spirits out there. But I believe what he's saying there, if you want to be like Christ, we need to be in the restoration business. Restoring people. And in the spirit of meekness. I think that's a very key word there. And when I think about meekness, I think about a gentle strength. You know what I mean? Like, and this is what my wife always says about me when, uh, and, and I promise I'm not going to use her in a bad way, I promised. She said, I just want you to be nice. She didn't say, Robbie, she wanted me to measure my biceps to see how big they were, or my chest, or my hair, or whatever. She said, just be nice. But I think about the spirit of meekness, a, a quiet strength, and just being kind when we're dealing with people, being nice. Because he said, consider, and I'm not saying that's exactly what that said, but when I read that, that's what I, I think about is a, not a nice as in you just lay down and let people run over you, Justin, but nice as in, you know what? I may not understand exactly where they're coming from. They might have made a mistake. I may not totally understand what atmosphere they grew up in, uh, the environment that they grew up in, what economical status they grew up in. I may not understand all those things. So I need to, I need to make a consideration here of what is going on in their life before I start judging them, before I start pointing fingers at them, and begin to, if I want to do it the way Christ wants me to do it, and I want to be spiritual, I want to look at restoring that person and considering myself, lest I also be tempted. Because just because we're saved doesn't mean that we have always done it right since salvation. Can I get an amen? Since salvation, I have messed up. Since salvation, I have not always done things right, Dylan, believe it or not. <laughs> okay, so I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. And this is probably going to be the biggest area that we're going to stay at today. We talked about minding your own business. I've got some things here, if I can not get unplugged. I stopped and got some illustrations this morning. One of these days I'm going to do that, and I'm going to have notes uploaded. That's my confession for you. That's right, for real. And I had time today, but I just got lost in prayer, so I just figured that was more important. Um. When we talked about minding your own business or remember your own business, here's, before, we, before we read anything, here's, here's a good checklist. And if, I want you to write this down if you've got something to write with, if you've got your phone, however you do your notes, because I want you to have that open because when we start, I believe this, this is what the Lord showed me. When we start minding our own business, there's peace and freedom in that. There is a peace and a freedom in minding your own business. 
So when I see someone or hear of someone doing something, or someone is sharing something with me about someone so I can be praying about the situation, also known as gossiping. And I can say that because I've done it before. Um, This is a good checklist to go out. Number one, I want you to write this down. What does this have to do with me? When I hear the juicy gossip that gets shared at the water cooler or wherever it may be, and it's degrading, and it's not good, and it's juicy gossip, the first thing that I need to go through, if I want to be spiritual, and I want to be like God, the first thing I need to ask myself, I believe, is this. What does this have to do with me? The second thing I need to ask is this. Do I have things in my own life that need attention? This is going over about like I figured it would. Because it's not, these are not fun things to talk about. Um, here's a good example. Uh, I had this thought this morning. You remember um, the, the commercials? I can't remember the name of the organization that was wanting to feed these kids over in these uh, third world countries. There was a, there, there were a dime a dozen. You know, they were on the TV all the time. And my thought was this. Instead of videotaping that starving kid in the water hole, you would think that cameraman would throw that kid a sandwich. But then the Lord checked me and said, what are you doing for him? <laughs> I mean, I can talk about what the cameraman's not doing, but you know, what he, you know how many dollars I've sent over there to help those kids? Zero. So whenever I start condemning somebody else, I might need to mind or remember my own business. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, <laughs> this is really comical when you get to reading it, let me pull out the mote or the beam or the speck out of your eye, and behold, a beam is in thy own eye. Now, this is Jesus. This is not me saying this here, okay? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now, here's an example that I hear a lot uh, in my lifetime. I've heard people say, did you see, this is just an example here, Did you see what that person blew their money on? And really, this is kind of what we're doing. We got this two by four, right? And when I'm making that statement, a lot of times it's like this. I better be careful. I really don't want a splinter in my eye. I'm all for illustrations, but you can go too far, Bo. But a lot of times we could say, did you see what that person did? did? Did you hear about 
what they did or what this and that and everything else. You know, I, when I put this beam, this piece of two by four over my eye, it's very hard to get a very clear picture of what's really going on. And when the reality is when somebody comes to me and says, did you see how they spent their money on this and that? And I'm just using this as an example. You could use a lot of examples. But did you see how they spent their money on this and that and everything else? If I begin to chime in and say, you know what, I would have never spent my money on that. Reality, what I need to do is say, mirror, what have I spent my money on? What am I doing with my finances? How I'm because I'm gonna tell you today, I know it's deer season. And I thought on the way down here, I would hate to see the tab that I have on what I've spent on deer hunting stuff. I would hate to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know. Because I am serious, seriously, I know fear is not something that's supposed to be <laughs> in our repertoire, but I would be afraid to see that number. But when we begin to, but when we begin to chime in on what everybody else is doing, it's like putting this in front of your face. You can't see clearly. You can't see at all. Sometimes, because sometimes we're talking like this because we got so much junk in our own life that it's hard to look around. And we're, if we're paying attention to what everybody else is doing, instead of looking in the mirror and saying, what am I doing? Jesus called it this. He called us what? A hypocrite. Because all of us have done things, have said things. We've bought things. We've thought things. We've done all kinds of things that we shouldn't have done. The biggest question that we really should be asking when people say that, and I know it's rude, but it might stop the gossip, is what's it got to do with me? Why should I care about this? And I understand, when I say this, I understand, we, Mike, we develop opinion when we hear things, right? You can't help in your head. But I don't have to voice that opinion. I don't have to give voice to that. Because, you know, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As long as it doesn't come out of my mouth, it's not in here. I don't care what I'm thinking up in here. As long as it stays up there <laughs> and doesn't come out here, it's not in here. So we need to be more mindful when we're dealing with people. Is, and this will bring peace to your life. This will bring peace to your life. If you just say, what does that got to do with me? What have I done in my own life? You know, before we judge others, we better make sure, I say before we judge other lives, we better make sure that our life is absolutely perfect. <laughs> when you reach that, let me know because I want to come shake your hand. I want to know what it's like to touch hands with somebody that's never done anything wrong that has never stood in the need of grace and mercy, because we've all needed it, hadn't we? There should be a stronger amen than that. Amen. We've all stood in the, gra in, in the need of grace and mercy. Matthew chapter 7, let's go, I know we started at verse 3, but let's go up to verse 1. And here is the tough one. Judge not... That you be not judged. Judge, I, I wrote this out on, uh, to the side. Judge by who? 
Because a lot of times I've read through that and I thought, well, judge, because we think, well, if I don't judge, then I won't be judged by others. Not true. I've seen people that were non-judgmental. They wouldn't judge anybody for a million dollars and they'll get judged for being nice. So that really can't be what that scripture is really talking about there. I believe what it's saying there is judge not that you be not judged. When I say judge by who, I'm talking about being judged by God. And we'll find this out here in just a little bit. That how we, well, verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you measure, or the Bible says, King James says meet, with what you, the way you measure it, it shall be measured to you again. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7, it says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Mercy from who? Mercy from God. Because I've seen people that are merciful and not get mercy. Right? I've seen people be merciful and not get mercy in return. So when we stand before God, I believe the way, this is the, and we'll get to this in Scripture, I believe the way we have treated people, if we have, how we have judged people, how we have, if we've shown mercy or not shown mercy, is going to have a lot of weight when we're standing before our Creator. And if we get this down on the inside of us, it will change the way we start treating people. And you will stop waiting for a feeling in order to treat somebody right. You'll treat them right because that's what God's Word said to do. If we would learn how to take our emotions, I'm not saying it's wrong to feel. You are to feel it every now and then. But, you know, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, and I know, I know, but is there a possibility they didn't see you? I know. Um, if somebody honks at you at the green light and you, you're looking down and they honk at you to go, and, and I've been told by a family member there's a way to honk nice and a way to honk mean. <laughs> Two short beeps is nice. Beep, beep. If you lay on it, that's, that's a mean honk. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes when that happens, I'm telling you right now, the hair on the back of your neck stands up and you're just like, what? Well, maybe they were being just like, hey, maybe they're busy. Maybe they got somewhere to go and they need you to move on and get off your phone. <laughs> Judge not. <laughs> Amen. You know, the best way to judge somebody is by the Word of God. Just say what, and when people say, what, what do you think about such and such? Or what, they, what does God's Word say? And that really will alleviate you from having to even say anything because a lot of times that will shut that conversation down immediately. And I don't know about you, but I have a desire when I stand before Father God is not to come, and come at Him with my empty accolades and my empty efforts, Donnie, of look at all the good that I did. We're going to get to that here in just a second too. I want to stand before Him and say, you had my, I want Him to say to me, you had my heart. You, you, had, you had who I was on the inside of you. Yeah, you didn't do everything perfect. It, and I don't think perfection is what he's looking for. He's looking somebody that will carry his heart into the world. Yes. 
and be a light. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And, in, and if you're on a device, I, I typically stay in the King James Version if you're on a device. James said this, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. That's a powerful statement right there. He said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin. And are convinced of the law as transgressors. Okay, so in saying that, I'll stop right there. We shouldn't pick and choose who we show love and understanding to. Now, Miss Mary, amen me. But that's a good enough statement. to When I say amen, to say, I mean so be it in that. Is uh, if you have respect uh, to persons, you commit sin. And we shouldn't pick, and this is my commentary on that, we shouldn't pick and choose who we show love and understanding to. Because the understanding is this, we may not have a full understanding of people's background. Now, I'm taking some liberty here, but Ricardo, would you, would you stand up? And I want to talk about this, because there are a lot of people that will judge people because of race. And I don't understand that. Ricardo, did God ask you what color you wanted to be? No, I probably would have been mixed if he would have. <laughs> well, I'm asking that because, see, he didn't ask me either. Right. Did, did he ask you who, your, who you wanted your parents to be? Ooh, no, he sure didn't. <laughs> He, di- he didn't ask me either. Thank you. Thank you. God did not ask me where I wanted to be born. In America, China, Russia. He didn't ask me, Dylan, what color I wanted to be. Uh, he didn't ask me what parents I wanted to have. He did not ask me what kind of economical setting I would like to be born into. He didn't ask me what color of hair I wanted to have. Uh, he did not ask me how tall I wanted to be. He didn't ask me if I wanted to be a man or a woman. But yet so many times we are judging people off of something that was completely out of their control. And how... Oh, what's the word I'm looking here? How immature... To hate somebody off the color of their skin. That they had no control over any of that. Or to judge somebody as dumb or stupid. Or not knowing how to manage money. Or not knowing how to do a lot of things. I'm just trying to throw out some examples here. Of something that was completely out of their control. Maybe their mom and dad didn't know how to manage money. So they had nothing to pass them on. Maybe God has sent you into that person rather than cutting them down. Since you're so good at it. That you could pull them under your wing and show them how to do it. And it, especially when it could, Well, let's go ahead and dial it down a little bit further. What about people that don't believe in faith the way we do? 
I mean, if we are arguing with them and, and uh, debating with them and we are uh, treating them as inferior to us just because they've not come into understanding, are they going to come into understanding? Maybe God has sent us into their life to show them the right way. And you know what? If we do it in the spirit of meekness, rather than a judgmental, critical attitude, there's a, probably a whole lot better chance that they're going to receive what we have to say. We need to consider ourselves. When somebody doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, I had the luxury of growing up in a family that believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. They taught me that from, from before the time I could remember all the way up to before I left home. And I had the luxury of that. That's why whenever I'm ministering to somebody out there that doesn't know Christ, I better look at it as they may not have had the luxury I had of growing up to know and be taught from a youth up what it is to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we are hateful and we are degrading and we begin to argue with them instead of trying to be understood, you don't have to argue. You know, believe it or not, there are times that you don't have to say anything. I do not have to have an opinion on this. I do not have to have a statement on this. Even though when you open up your social media app and it asks, what do you think? That does not mean that you need to put something on there. And I surf that stuff too. I get it. But I'm saying everything does not require for me to have a comment. In our lives when we're dealing with people, they may come up with some things and they say, I don't even believe in God. Well, if I get mad and start, I'm going to defend God. Like he really needs my help. Like, he really need, like he's got an insecurity problem. He doesn't need my help. All I can say is just, it, I don't have to say anything. But then I can begin to love on them. I can begin to buy their lunch. I can begin to find out what their needs are, begin to minister them. I can befriend them. I can talk to them and show the love of Jesus Christ and then begin to look at my walk rather than just hear about my walk. And I believe when we love people, it refuses to leave people where they are. That's the whole point of love is it is refusing to leave people in those conditions. And the reason we can do that is because we have understanding. We have wisdom to understand they may not be where I'm at because they may not have grew up in the atmosphere that I grew up in. You know, one of the greatest things I believe about the Russellville Christian Center is when we came here, we were woefully behind in what the Word of God had to say about our life. But we didn't get judged. We didn't get cast out. We didn't get made to feel dumb. Uh, we didn't get scolded by Pastor Susan when we said something that was not faith. But lovingly. I've watched her lovingly correct people, and it was so loving, they didn't even know she was correcting them. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> so gracious. Yes, yes. And I know that looking back, I was like, wait a minute, she was correcting me. <laughs> I didn't even know it. But that's the love that understands that, hey, I'm not going to leave that person where they are. Verse 10 in James 2, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they 
as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. And I'm, I'm thinking about the law of freedom. Verse 13, for he shall have judgment with mer- without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. So here we see when people's like, well, I don't know that, that he's talking about, uh, you know, judge not, that you be not judged, that God's going to judge you harshly by the way you judge other people. Verse 13 it says right here, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. But I love what he said here. He said, Mercy rejoiceth against judgment. I believe this, and I'm coming into a greater understanding of this. When I stand before God, I may not have had it all right, but when I show mercy and grace and understanding and love to people, I've I've got God's heart on the inside of me, and that's what God is pleased with. Because the Bible says this, and we'll go into this here in a little bit, God is love. So if I'm operating in love, I'm operating in God. Now I'm not trying to, and we'll get to this here in just a second, I'm not encouraging you to live a loose lifestyle. And if you're thinking that way, you're totally missing. But when you are loving people and you are spending your energy on loving and understanding people, you ain't got time to be sinning. And half the sins that we do commit that God hates so much is when we're dealing with other people in a wrong way. Well, why will there not be mercy on those who hadn't showed mercy? Well, the reason is, is because every person born, every person born has stood in the need of grace and mercy. I don't care how good you've been. You know, my oldest daughter, she's not in here so I can say this. I've never known her to do anything wrong. And I'm sure she has. Watch it. (laughs) But you know, even how good she is, she still needed to be born again. It doesn't matter how good we are. We still needed a Savior. And I, I don't know about you, but I want to be judged with mercy. You know, we use the word judge. If you break that down, I'm not going to try to say it, but I just I'll let you know I looked it up. Uh, in the um, Hebrew. And it really means to damn or condemn. That's why whenever somebody says that GD so-and-so, I'm like, well, wait a minute. We're not using, it's not so much we're using God's name in vain. We are using God's authority to condemn someone. That's a dangerous spot to be at is when you are taking it under your own, your own self to decide who. Because here's, here's this. The word condemn means to judge unfit for use or consumption. Who am I? I keep pointing at y'all like I, you know, like I don't have to abide by this same rule. Who am I to, to decide whether somebody is uh, unfit for use or consumption? Because a lot of judging words are this, always and never. They are always, they never, well, never's a long time. Always is a long time. And it's not my place 
to judge whether or not they are fit for use or consumption. Because Romans 14 and 4 says this, Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holding up. Get this, for God is able to make him stand. When we are judging other people, we're not judging just another human. We're in, we are judging somebody that God made to serve his purpose. And whether he, they are serving his purpose or not has nothing to do with you. It's none of your business because they are not your servant. They are God's servant. And if he, the Bible says God is able to make him stand, if he's able to make them stand, who am I to keep them pressed down? to where they can't get up, and to say things to them like, they are always whatever, or they will never whatever. You are not their judge. I am not their judge. It is not for me or you to decide who God is done with. Because I hear people say this all the time. Um, They'll quote Romans 1 and 28. Because they love to quote this when they're dealing with transgenders and homosexuals. I'm just going to go ahead and just be as blunt as I can be without causing Susan a meeting with somebody. (laughs) Paul said this, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. We love to quote that over them. We love to put that on them because I'm not a homosexual. I'm a heterosexual man. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I know which bathroom to go to. Yeah, these are very good conservative statements. But let's look at this real close. We can't deny that this is the word of God. I'm not trying to deny that at all, but let's look at some phrases here very closely. Uh, who gave them over to a reprobate mind? says right here, God gave them over. So it's not my decision whether they're reprobate or not. Man, it is quiet in here. I can hear the fans on the, on the amps. Because I've been so, the reason I'm saying this is because I've been quick to say that over them. You see, it's hard to talk against judging when you have judged people. <laughs> I've judged people harshly. And I've said this over him, but God showed me that yesterday. Because I was thinking, well, God, how do I put this in here whenever it says you gave them over to a reprobate mind? He was like, that's right, I did. You didn't. I'm the one to decide. This is what God was saying to me. I'm the one to decide who I'm done with and who I'm not. And here was a greater fact. He said, I'm not saying I'm done with him. He said, I'm just giving them what they want to do. I'm giving them over to what they're already wanting to do. I'm not forcing reprobation on them. I'm just giving them over to what they're wanting to do because I'm not going to fight against their will. But if we don't come into understanding of not everything that happens is the will of God, then we can't look at this thing and, and rightly divide the word of truth. And then we're not uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. We don't know what God's will is. And if we don't know what God's will is, then we're not going to be loving people. 
It's God that gave him over. And I'm so thankful for the freedom that it's not my decision. I am so thankful for the peace that it is not my decision. It's all up to God. And if they're breathing and they're in my presence, I'm going to do my best to love them the best way I know how to love them. It is so tempting to judge. You can say amen or oh me. Because there's a lot of times I've had to say oh me. Because it's so tempting. The first thing out of your mouth wants to be something derogatory. Um, but in James chapter 1 and 13 it says this, that God doesn't tempt people with evil. So if God's not tempting you to do evil, who is? It's not a baited question. What's opposite of God? The devil. Okay. Satan is tempting you to judge. And here, this is, the, here is a great... This, I'm going to go ahead and give... This is from Keith Moore. And he said this, The reason that the enemy is trying to get you to judge is he's trying to get you judged. The reason that temptation there is to judge, he knows if I can get him to judge them wrongfully, I can get him judged. I will be judged, but how I get judged will be determined on how I judge others. I love this. You know, we're going to be judged. The Bible says it. But you, did you realize this, that you can be judged merciful? <laughs> I can be judged loving. Uh, I can be judged gracious. I can be judged faithful. You know, it kind of goes back to the uh, Galatians 6 and 7 talks about what you, what you sow is what you reap. And a lot of times that negativity falls on that verse because we're sowing our wild oats, so we're going to reap our wild oats. And re- there's a promise attached to that. It's not just a threat. Well, same way here when we say, you know, the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. You are going to be judged, but how I get judged is going to depend on how I judge other people. And I can be judged gracious, I can be judged merciful, and I can be judged faithful and loving. When we choose not to judge, we are not excusing sin. And really, God brought me into this revelation. I shared it with Dylan, and I probably shared it with Brett as well. Because the tr- and I ha- I'm having to read this off so I get it right. Um, actually, sin has already been judged as wrong. It's already been judged wrong. It's kind of the same way with murder. The United States court system has already judged murder wrong, and there is a sentence for that murder. When I commit murder, I have joined myself to the condemnation of that sentence. Okay, does that, that make it understand more clear? So sin has already been judged evil and wrong. The problem is people are not evil and wrong. They have joined their self to something that is evil and wrong. And because of that, they are falling under the condemnation of what God has already predetermined as wrong. But a lot of times when somebody does something wrong and something bad happens to them, we're like, God's judgment. Whammo. God was coming down on them. Nope. That's why God in the beginning was waving his hands saying, don't do that. Don't go there. 
Don't do that. Why? Because he already knew the punishment that come along that, that was already on that sin. And his redemption was in the very beginning trying to get you not to do it. The love of God was at the beginning trying to get you to not do it. So when I join myself to what has already been condemned, I can't help but fall under the same condemnation as a sin. Get this, unless I repent. That's why Jesus came. And everybody has fallen under sin, but we are to be sharing Jesus with them and saying that's why he came and died. That's why he went through all the things that he went through is so that we could be forgiven. And if we've been forgiven, why would we not want to share that same love and compassion with anybody else out there? Because Romans 3 and 23, Paul said this, for all have sinned. He didn't say some have sinned. He said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24, it says this, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in, in Christ Jesus. So if all have sinned, who has the right to judge? I don't want it. I don't want it at all. Because I realize that I've been forgiven of a lot. I would hate to have all my sins put up on, this, up on this projector screen right here. And I think I could probably get a, a, almost a 100% unanimous me too. And I'm thankful for the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ that covered all of my sins. So if all have sinned, who has the right to judge? And I'm going to share this story uh, because I'm not talking about this person uh, in, a, in a negative way, I just, I just found it funny, and this was years ago, uh, a friend of mine had um, gotten born again, and he was under a lot of condemnation because he was dipping Copenhagen. Of course, back then, I guess that was a really big deal. If people are dipping Copenhagen now, it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of weird stuff you have to deal with. But God gave him just, I mean, overshadowed his life, and he kicked that addiction. I mean, by the grace of God, I mean, just almost like, wow. How could somebody overcome an addiction like that so quickly? And I'm not lying to you, the next week, I heard him raking people across the coals because they were dipping Copenhagen. And I'm over here going, what? wait a minute, wait a minute. And, and I'm, I'm, I know that's funny, but if we're not careful, that's the way that we can be towards people is God has delivered us out of a lot of junk. And if we're not careful, we'll rake this poor old person across the coals over here because the Bible says if I've done one, I'm guilty of all of it. And this poor old guy over here, we're raking him across the coals. We have no idea of his background. We have no understanding of where he came from. We have no understanding of the environment that he grew up in. We don't know who his mom and dad was. We don't know what his upbringing was. And we'll judge this poor old guy over here off of something that we have no idea of what they went through, where they've been. The whole time God is going, I want them. I want them. You know, victory is not to be used as a hammer to beat others, but a lifeline to rescue them. And if God isn't a respecter of persons, then what he will do for one, he'll do for the other. He'll do for the other. If he did it for you, he'll do it for someone else. One more page of notes. 
We'll go through this quickly. And this, this is the passage here, and this will move rather quickly. In, in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. This, and starting in verse 21, this, this passage here has really bothered me a lot in my lifetime. Because I would read this and I would be like, man. I know you're almost there, but I want to. Give me just a second here. Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And people are are a lot of times maybe not thinking he's talking about when we stand before him. But in verse 22 it says this, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast uh, cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Jesus said, And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Now that word never there means this, not at one time. What Jesus was saying was, never at, not at one time did I ever know you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Now let's look at this. These people had prophesied in his name. They had cast out devils in his name. Now, I don't know about you, but if I, if I walk up on somebody and they're casting devils out of people, I'm like, wow, man, the anointing is on this guy. Man, the power of God is on this guy. But Jesus said, here, just because you're doing that does not mean I know you. That's pretty powerful. Now, I'm quoting what Jesus said. This ain't what I'm saying. This is what Jesus said right here. But he said, ye that work iniquity. Now, the word iniquity means a violation of the law, or really would be meaning the violation of God's law. Galatians 5 and 14, it says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So if we go to 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, it says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy... And understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not love, get the I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and I have not love, get this. He says, This is Paul talking, it profits me nothing. And I believe what God is asking us to do is to have his heart of love for people. If you don't love people, what he's saying, you can move Mount Nebo into Lake Dardanelle, but if you don't love, it means nothing. You can prophesy in my name, but if you don't love, it doesn't mean anything. And he went on so far as to say was if you never are operating in love, I never even knew who you were. I don't want to fall under that judgment. I'd rather say, God, just show me what real love is. Not just a feeling, 
but uh, knowing and, and when I'm dealing with people is trying to understand where they are coming from. What, what situations were they in? God, what do you want me to do to reach out to this person? Because what separates us from God is not having love and understanding mercy. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. The word covereth there means to overwhelm, and the word overwhelm means to defeat. Love will defeat sin every time. When you love people and you consider yourself, when you're dealing with other people, you'll run into a thing called love, and when you begin to love people, you'll see all that wrong begin to fall off their life. More than your words of condemnation, more than your scoldings, more than you talking behind their back and all, you know, to your friends that'll, that, that will help you pray for them. God's called us to love. There will always be things in my life that can be better. And if I can ever get that, they'll leave no room for time for judging. So I, want, I don't want to leave you in a, in a wrong place. What if I have been judging? Here's a brain buster. Stop. Second thing you need to do is repent. And I'm not talking about groveling in the floor, crying. I'm talking about change. Change. And get this, this is, this is the grace in this as well. Work on it until it's all the way out of your life. That's one area that I don't think we give ourselves enough grace on is when we come to this knowledge that we haven't been doing it right is we don't want to give ourselves enough grace and mercy to get it out of our life. You know, I would love to go on a diet one day and lose 30 pounds. That would be awesome. Everybody would be doing it then. But the fact of the matter is you've got to stick to it every day, every day, every day. And we're going to work all this stuff out and get the kingdom of God working in our life. Really, you just got to repent and turn yourself towards doing what God would have you to do and just begin just to keep churning and not quit. Amen. Would you stand with me? Father, we thank you today for your word and for your direction that leads us and guides us, Father, and helps us. God, the Holy Spirit is our helper, shows us the way. And Father, that we would reach out with love. God, I understand, Lord, that RCC is not who they are just because of how many people go to church here. But Father, as you shared with me, it's a whole lot better to talk to, to somebody in a pew than an empty pew. And Father, that we would just show love that people would want to say, I want to go and see what that's all about. And God, when we begin to do that, we'll be like the original church, God, that people will be added to the church daily such as should be saved. And that's the ultimate goal, Father, is to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. God, consider myself. God, because raised in church or not, I needed a Savior. And I needed to be born again. And I needed love shown to me. And Father, I just believe right now through the anointing of the Holy Ghost, we're going to take this with us. And we're going to share love, God, to a world. And we're going to be loving and understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys.